0: Hey guys, welcome to another Wednesday Midweek study. Today we're going to be in John chapter 5, Matt finished off chapter 4 last week, so um, before we go in, I'll just pray. Father, I just pray that you'd uh, be with us tonight as we go through your word, that you'd uh, speak to us um, of the different things that you may be pointing out in your word, some things obvious and some things less obvious. Um, I pray that you'd speak to us individually as well as uh, through the main message. Um, I pray that you would, uh, your Holy Spirit would speak uh, through me tonight as I teach, that you give me the words for things that I may not have planned to say, and um, that you told me back from saying things that uh, you don't necessarily want me to say, uh, that I may have necessarily planned on saying. Um, Father, I just pray that you'd be with us tonight, and that your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Cool. So, um... Verse one, it says, Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. So this is afterwards. So after what? After what Matt was just talking about before last week with Jesus healing the nobleman's son. So he was in Cana of Galilee over before, and now he's return to Jerusalem for in the Jewish holy days, so he's returned to Jerusalem and he heads over to this pool. Now Jesus knows very well what's going on at this pool. This pool really cool. Um, so this is actually a historical site that you can go and visit. Um, it was discovered in the nineteenth century, and basically it used to be. Um, it has had uh, two parts to it, so it had the southern basin and the northern basin. And basically one part of it is a mikveh, which is uh, basically a Jewish uh, ritual bath. And then the other part of it would flow into it and it would help to purify it and to keep it clean and just overall replenish it. So um, this is a well-known area for them at the time. You know, you'd go there, uh, whether these people wanted to go there to be healed. But then some people would go there and they'd use it as the Jewish ritual baths. So what's interesting is this pool was surrounded in just these different stories of healing as well. So people would go there and basically the idea was that the moment the pool bubbled, the first one in there would then be healed. Now this healing was also attributed to an angel that would come and would stir the waters. And so whether these stories are true or not, people would still go and they'd wait uh, in the hopes that they would be able to be healed of whatever ailment they wanted to be healed from. So these people were placing their trust in this and just simply going there. Some people, it was their last resort. Some people, it was just a matter of, well, let's try this amongst a whole bunch of other things that we could uh, try. So they're placing their trust in this because it's something tangible. They can go there and they can be like, okay, Okay, if you haven't tried it, you should go to this place. And so people who would be paralyzed would basically say, hey, I've got to try and arrange to be, you know, collected and picked up and be taken to this place because they're not going to be able to get out of there otherwise in the hopes that they'd be able to somehow get in there with maybe a friend who'd help to lift them in. And then they'd be healed. And people would go there with other ailments as well. You know, some people with all sorts of different things uh, that we know about so it was something that they would then experience in order to then be healed they were just waiting for it to bubble and then everyone would rush in off the steps and everything to just go and to get in this pool in the hopes that they were the first one that they would then hopefully be healed and it's kind of a little bit of a reminder for us as we think of these people going into this pool in the hopes that they're going to be healed um that sometimes it's easy for us to look for something experiential rather than simply looking at Christ as the solution to our problems. Um, because, you know, we can see things, we can experience things, sometimes it's a little bit easier to just try and cling on to those things rather than to cling on to Christ. Um, or even running to Christ first as opposed to running to other things before we run to Christ. Um, I was telling someone about a story recently of um, when, when I do IT, one of the things I'm very aware of is sometimes things just break and there's no logical explanation as to why it might have just broken. It just decided to die one day. And um, so someone gave me a call, they had a problem with their laptop and um, I tried to fix it, it wasn't really working, none of the solutions were working. And the other thing is they were like, okay, cool. Um, I had this other thing that I needed to do as well on my laptop. So I was like, okay, cool, that's fine. What we'll do then is we'll schedule it and I'll just come back another day and we'll do everything all at once. So that was nice. It gave me time to go away and to think about it. And as I ended the uh, conversation, I was like, okay, Lord, I just need your help to just figure this out. And uh, I looked up, you know, on all forums, and everything of what might be causing this certain issue. No one had a clue. Um, and so then I was like, okay, Lord, you just have to show me what's up and how to fix this because I want to fix it. And so I'm going to bed one night and all of a sudden after I've been praying to the Lord, he then shows me this is like the solution to the problem. I was like, okay, that's great. I've got to do this, I've got to write down what the solution is so that then when I meet with this person next, we can actually go through the problem and it can be fixed. And it was only through the Lord that I was able to fix that problem. It wasn't through uh, myself, it wasn't through anyone else giving any advice. It was simply a matter of, okay, only the Lord knew how to fix that problem. And sometimes um, we're so fixed on those things that it's hard to actually even then think of, okay, I need to go to the Lord, but it's remembering, hey, if the Lord knows what that problem is and he knows how to fix it because, well, he's God, of course he's gonna know, then why don't I go to him first rather than running to these other things first? In the same way that if I've got a problem and I know a friend who's really well experienced in dealing with these certain problems, I'll probably run to that friend and be like, hey, do you happen to know how to fix such and such? Oh, yeah, 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 it's this and this and this. Oh, great, okay, cool, thanks. But I would go to the friend because I know, hey, they know exactly what they're talking about. They're gonna fix it a lot quicker than I am. And so we know that the Lord knows everything, so why not run to him first and to say, okay, Lord, please can you just help me with this? And then he's more than willing to actually help us. Um, but clinging to God first, requires a faith in him to say okay actually i don't know best maybe i need to run to the lord Um, but it's a faith in a god who's shown himself and proved himself to be there for us at all times in uh, matthew 6 verse 25 to 34 it says that is why i tell you not to worry about everyday life whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the fields. Look at the birds, sorry. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your work, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They didn't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring us own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And so God continually tells us throughout scripture, hey, don't worry, I am with you and I will take care of you and I will take care of your every need. And so when we run into problems, when we run into situations, we should be running to the Lord first before we start trying to solve our own problems. And he continually shows himself to be there for us. So then we should make the Lord our first priority rather than, you know, our second or even our last priority. Um, Not looking to other solutions first, but instead looking to the Lord and seeking him and seeing what he says about the situation. What he says about our needs and our desires, because he's the one who can provide and he's the one who can show us what we need to do. And um, in verse 5, it says... One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And so you notice what's happening here. So Jesus has gone to this pool of Bethesda and he sees this guy who's been paralyzed. And he's been there for 38 years. He can't get into the pool himself. He has to be carried there. And so this guy is without hope. He's gone to this place where he can hopefully have a hope of being healed. But really, even in that place, he's hopeless because he realizes there's no one who's going to carry him there. So to him, it's pretty much a, well, this is my last stitch effort. I'm pretty much prepared to just die here as far as he's concerned. So this pool is his only hope. And so he heard stories. He's obviously arranged to be able to get here so that, you know, he can hopefully be healed. And yet there he's realized, hey, actually, I don't really have any hope even here. Whoever carried him there obviously hasn't stuck around to help continually carry him in every time it bubbles. So this guy is pretty much without hope at this point. He's unable to perform the task that's required for him to be able to be healed. And now he waits either a miracle or just simply waiting around until um, this is his final resting place. So he's got nowhere else to go. And this is his final hope, but he's hopeless even in this. And then Jesus, the very answer to these problems that he has is right there. And he asks him, He says, would you like to get well? And that's a pretty simple answer for us to look at if someone was to ask, would you like to get well? Yes. Yes, I would like to get well. But the guy doesn't really answer him expecting, oh yeah, I'd like to get well. He immediately responds with basically, there's no hope. I can't. And that's not what Jesus asked. He said, would you like to get well? Because that's either a yes or a no answer, it's not a matter of, can you get well? And so, Jesus is offering a different solution to the one that this guy thinks he has. So Jesus, who's the very answer to his problems, is right there and he's asking him, would you like to get well, offering this different solution that this guy doesn't know about because this guy's so focused on what he thinks he should do that he's completely lost. And to him, there's no hope. So he just simply responds, I can't, like there's no use. And like we think of it and we see Jesus and we're like, but Jesus can help you. But as far as the guy's concerned, he's without hope. And it's a reminder that the Lord's with us in every situation in Psalm 139, verses seven to 10. It says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I make ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the furthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. So he's not only with us, but he's willing to guide and to support us. And sometimes we're so fixed on our own way, our own solutions, our own things that we think we need to get done that we don't think to ask the Lord for his way. Instead, we just simply ask, hey, can you be a help for my way, for the thing that I think that I have to do, and I just need your help doing it. Instead of saying, okay, Lord, just lead me and guide me in the way that I need to go, and then give me the strength to go the way that you call me to go. And it's so easy for us because we just trust in our own way, we trust in our own understanding, instead of in the Lord's understanding. And we trust our own way before even evaluating if our way is actually in line with what the Lord wants and if it's in line with his way. Um, And the last thing you want to do is to force your way and to go against what God wants simply because it's like, hey, this is what I need to get done. And you think it's like a kid who asks for something, the parent says no, and then they just decide to try and force their own way. Eventually, sometimes the parents are just gonna be like, okay, fine, go your own way, and then learn from your mistakes. And the kid goes their own way and realizes, I made a mistake, and then they have to turn back. But they're already reaping the consequences of having to go their own way. But the Lord is gracious with us, because in his wisdom, he knows what's best, And in his grace, he says, "Okay, I'm going to show you the way. If you don't want to go, then that's up to you. But just know that I'm here and I'm willing to lead you and guide you in the right way to go. And we have to make a decision to either take our own way and reap the consequences of it or to ask the Lord, hey, can you show me which way I should go? And then set our eyes on him and say, Okay, cool. I need your help because I need not only your guidance, I need your strength to go the way that you call can go. And um, it's like the child then who then understands, okay, should I do this? Instead of can I do this, it's okay, should I do this? Instead of this, hey, I want to go my own way and I just need you to help me do this. Um, it's the understanding that not only does the Lord know what's best, but then he'll guide us in the way that we should go. Um, and so one, it's making sure that the Lord's the first priority, the first one that we go to, the first one that we say, hey, okay, Lord, I need your help. And then two, it's saying in that, okay, but I need your help, not for necessarily just what I want, but I want to go in the way that you want me to go. And I need you to not only lead me and guide me in the way that I should go, but then Help me to actually be obedient in that, to go in the way that I need to go. And um, so in verse eight, it says, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping bag or his sleeping mat and began walking. So Jesus meets this man's response with a command instead. So first he asked him a question. He's like, would you like to get healed? And the guy clearly doesn't understand the question. He's still without hope because he's like, I can't, there's no use. It's like, no, no, I'm asking you, would you like to get healed? Because there's another way. You don't have to try and sit trying to do this. And so instead of just simply responding with another question, Jesus is just like, okay, pick up your mat and walk. And just blows everything out of the water for what this guy is thinking. and knowing what's best. He doesn't offer to help carry him in. He just heals him directly. He shows them that, hey, this isn't the answer that you're looking for. The answer that you're looking for is found in Christ. It's found in the healing from the God of life. And so Jesus doesn't need a method because he's God. And his command was simply enough. And he doesn't need to... Like this guy can then either choose to question Jesus and to say, Psh, pick up my mat. I can't do that. What are you talking about? Why are you being ridiculous? But instead, he just simply obeys. He's like, okay, hang on a minute, I can walk. I can, I can do this. And he can suddenly realize, hang on a minute, I'm healed. And we think questioning would potentially be a reasonable response in light of this guy being like, who is this guy? He's like coming in. He's asking what I like to be healed. Of course, I'd like to be healed. I'm here, and then this guy is like, "Yeah, just get, pick up your man and walk," as if he thinks I'm a fake or a fraud. But instead of doing that, he's just answering in obedience, saying, "You know what? Yeah, here I've got no hope, so I may as well try this." And actually, in his faith in Christ, realizes, "Hang on a minute, I'm healed. I'm." He He's healed me. And then seeing, hang on a minute, this man is not just any ordinary man. This man just healed me. And this man must be something greater than just any other guy. And so when the Lord does this, he then shows his way. He shows the fact that, hey, he's God. And um, it's, we think, okay, cool. When the Lord shows us his way, do we then question it? Or do we actually follow in obedience for that? When he shows us his way, do we turn and just simply say, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if it was really him asking us. Or it's like, yeah, you asked me that, but you know what? I've, I've got my other plans and I'd rather do that. Or, you know, do we turn around and just say, you know what? Actually, I can deal with this situation. Like, even though I feel like the Lord may be telling me to do this thing, it seems uncomfortable. So it's fine. I can just deal with it. Um, And instead of doing that, we want to say, "Okay, Lord, I know that if you're calling me to do something, I know that you're going to give me the capacity to do that. But if you're saying pick up your mat and walk, you're actually going to heal me enough to be able to pick up my mat and walk like with this guy. When the Lord calls us to do something, he's not going to call us to do something he knows that we can't do without actually enabling us to be able to walk in the way that he's asked us to. So we need to be listening out and waiting for him to speak to us. We need to be actually spending time with him then in prayer and in the word so that we know his voice. Because when he speaks, instead of it being like that loud trumpet call that we're like, oh yeah, that was definitely God. Sometimes it's just that still small voice that we're just like, yeah, I think that might have been the Lord. And sometimes we realize that at the time, and it's good because we can then walk in obedience. And sometimes we realize after the fact, like hang on a minute, in hindsight, I know what I should have done. And I knew, I think the Lord was actually telling me to do that, but I decided to just go in my own way. So it's actually listening out for that still small voice and then being obedient to it. So this guy had no hope but then he placed his hope in Christ and realized that actually the Lord enabled him to be able to just pick up his mat and walk. And so we need to not only seek the Lord first and to then ask for his way rather than our own, being um, sitting there and saying, you know what? Maybe my way isn't the way that I should be walking. And then when the Lord shows us his way is then us being obedient in that saying, okay, if you're asking me to do this, to do this, then I know that you'll help me. So I want to be obedient to that. And he's going to lead us and he's going to guide us and he's going to make our path straight. He's going to enable us to walk in the way that he's calling us to. And he's the only true way and he's the way maker. So when we follow him, he's going to make our path straight. He's, we're going to know, okay, I know that you are with me, even though there might be troubles along the way. I know that if you're with me, then that's all that matters and he's gonna enable us to walk wherever he's asking us to walk. And this man was no longer trusting in this method. He's now trusting in the maker. He's trusting in the one who has created life itself. So his only hope, and now his true hope, is in Christ. And the other ways were troublesome and untrustworthy, but Christ proved that actually his way worked. His way healed the man. And Christ can be trusted. And he's not using a method because he's God. He's simply using his divine authority to be able to heal this man and to say, okay, you're healed. Pick up your mat and walk. And it shows that nothing is too hard for him. And it's a reminder for us too, that no matter how much we think we sin, no matter how much we think we've messed up, that he's paid it all. In 1 John 2 verse 2, it says he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, he's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And so it's a reminder for us that, hey, he has paid for our sins in full. It's not like he just paid for some of them, he's paid for all of them. And so, It's not something that we can do. It's not something that we can earn. We're all unworthy. So it's not, that can't be an excuse for not coming to Christ. And it's not saying, okay, well, has he paid for this? Because he has paid for it. Our sin is paid through Christ's death upon the cross. And so anything that we can try and do to earn it is complete rubbish. It means nothing. And we're made right with God through faith in Christ. Trusting in the finished work of the cross. And so then, if you don't know this, if you haven't believed in this, then I encourage you to reach out because you are not out of reach of Christ and his redeeming love and his blood that has paid the debt of your sin. And I encourage you to trust in that and to put your faith in Christ. To ask him, hey, will you take away my sin? Will you forgive me because I put my trust upon you. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And if you've been set free, then you've been set free indeed. And so it's that encouragement for us to know that, hey, we're actually forgiven, that all of the mess and all the sin in our life has been taken care of, and that he has forgiven us of our sins, and that he continues to sanctify us. He continues to make us new, to make us into that new creation. And um, for those that know this, for those that uh, know and have experienced that forgiveness, then we can say, hey, I've been, give, been forgiven of such a great debt, then that should affect how I treat others as well. That remind, as a reminder in light of all that I've been forgiven of. If I see someone else's sin, it isn't something for me to sit and to condemn them, but it's something for me to say, okay, well, if Christ could extend his love and his compassion towards me in all that I have done... How, and he, him being perfect, how much more me, a sinner, should I, should I be extending that love and compassion towards others? Um, and so with our lives, we want to shine Christ. We want to shine his ways. We want to be obedient to him, looking to him, asking him for help, asking him first, asking him then for his ways rather than our own. And then saying, okay, Lord, I know that if you have called me to walk in a certain way, then you will help me to be obedient in that. And so then we want to ask him for his help to continue to walk in the way that he's called us to walk. Um, I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank you for your words. I thank you uh, for your love and for your grace, uh, for your mercy. Um, Father, I thank you that um, you don't just uh, call us to live a certain way and then leave us to it, but you give us your Holy Spirit to help us to walk in the way that uh, you ask us to walk. I pray that you would um, help us to uh, have a desire for you, have a desire for your word. Um, Father, that when situations situation has come, that you'd uh, continue to remind us that uh, we should be turning to you first, before we turn to uh, other problems, before we turn to uh, our own solutions, that we would turn to you first. And that in that, that we would ask for your way, that we'd ask that you would lead us and you would guide us. Um, Father, I ask that you'd help us to be obedient in that as well. I pray that you'd help us to shine you in uh, the world that we live in, that would will be salt and light. Um, Father, I just pray that you'd help us, you'd uh, lead us and you'd guide us, and you'd glorify your name in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys.